Welcome to a Tuesday edition of Locked On NBA. On today's show, should Markel Fultz replace J.J. Redick as the starter in Philly? And what should the Lakers do at center? And we'll talk about how LeBron can build on his debut in L.A. in his second preseason game later tonight. Thank you so much for listening and for subscribing. Now let's get to the show. You are Locked On the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, let's do this. Welcome to Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Wes Goldberg. I'm a credentialed writer covering the NBA for Fansided. You can find me on Twitter at WC Goldberg. And I'm David Ramil, credentialed NBA writer who covers the league at large for Fansided. You can follow me and my writing on Twitter at DRamil13. We're in the thick of preseason basketball and the notion that preseason games are meaningless, I think is a little overstated. For a lot of teams, it's a chance to test new concepts. For a lot of players, it's the first time they're playing with their new teams and their new teammates. Mm -hmm. That includes LeBron, who made his Lakers debut over the weekend and will play again tonight on TNT. I want to get to that on today's show. But first, David, a game of true or false will start in Philadelphia. True or false, Markel Fultz should start for the 76ers. I'm going to go with false here, to be honest with you. I think think J.J. Redick is a better option at the start. In place of Fultz, I think Fultz is still not confident and comfortable enough in his shooting ability, and I think he's a, a, a he could potentially be a liability for a 76ers team that's making a look some noise in the East. I think Reddick gives you the stability, the range, the the just familiarity as a longtime veteran who's seen it all. I think he's a, a player that you need to have out on this floor because with the talents, incredible talents of Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, Covington and Sharich, that's great. But you need some more stability, I think, from a veteran standpoint, and that's where Reddick comes into play. Not to say that he can't provide that from the bench, but I think you need somebody out there to start these lines up, you know, start to start in that lineup to help calm things down when things could potentially get out of hand, to be a potential closer as well. I just don't think that Fultz is ready, to be honest with you. I, I'm not confident in his ability to come back and make a huge impact this season. I think we're trying to exact too much from him just because he was the number one pick in the draft. We're hoping that he's going to take this incredible superstar leap. That might eventually come, but he's still so young, and he just might not be ready. It might take years for him to reach this point. No need to rush it. No need to force him into a situation where he could eventually screw up. So from my perspective, keep it as it is. You know, I was I was there. I was there with you. Oh. And then and then I wasn't. <laughs> Look, uh David Aldridge uh for NBA.com uh spoke to Brett Brown about why that he decided to move Fultz into the starting lineup. And Brown, you know, there's a lot of there's a the most of the attention for Fultz comes on offense, not only because he was such a dynamic offensive player in college, but because of all the struggles as a rookie, uh, because he forgot how to shoot basketballs and all this stuff. But defensively, there's a lot more potential there there than, than there is with Redick. And Brown mentioned that he wants to start Fultz because he likes the idea of starting games with Markel Fultz guarding the opposing the opposing ball handler, the, the opposing point guard. Um, as opposed to having Ben Simmons do that because there's there's value in you know sort of waiting till the end of the games that and and Brown did that a lot last year it was towards the end of games that Simmons would pick up ball handlers um, but uh, he he kept focusing on the defensive end and that's where Redick does struggle there was and Aldridge mentioned this in his piece Brown didn't know where to play JJ Redick when it came to that that second round matchup against the Boston Celtics, Redick was basically getting attacked by Jason Tatum, attacked by Kyrie Irving, 
uh, or or Terry Rozier, um, just over and over again. And and if Fultz could be better, if Fultz and he does have the potential to be a to be better defensively than Redick is, then I kind of get it. Um, and I also get having Redick come off the bench in, as far as being that three point shooter, being that veteran presence off the bench. Um, and look, that Reddit could still end up closing games for Philadelphia, and I'm not sure what that lineup would look like. But I'm kind of on board with Fultz starting now. I wanna I wanna shout out Tom West, who covers the Sixers for LibertyBallers.com. Uh, had like a little Twitter thread going over the weekend about why he thinks Dario Saric should be the guy that goes to the bench, mm. and I want to entertain that a little bit because if you bring Saric to the bench, now all of a sudden Saric, who is such a great playmaker, especially at that stretch four position can't really do that when, number one, Ben Simmons is in the starting lineup with him. That's Ben Simmons' job. And then if you put Marco Fultz in that lineup, another shot creator, by the way, another great idea, a great reason to have Fultz in, that, in, the, in the starting unit is because it gives Simmons that second ball creator when guys lock down on him, and they needed that a, a lot of times last year. But if you bring Sarge down to the bench, that allows him to be more of a facilitator more and, and do more of what he does best, which is create shots for himself and for others. I don't know what a Fultz does. Fultz, Reddick, Covington, Simmons, and Bead work. I mean, on paper it makes sense, um, but I don't know if that's necessarily the best version. But it's it's worth thinking about, and I kind of see I kind of see Tom's uh, uh, reasoning on that. Yeah, it's it's an interesting point. Uh, let's move on, though. I think we should probably talk about somebody yeah. else. <laughs> True or false? The Lakers, after experimenting with Kyle Kuzma and Michael Beasley at the five need to acquire a backup center i mean yes i, I true obviously I, I to me i i can't see how that's an, a legitimate argument here because i just don't see how either kuzma or beasley are capable at this point i understand you might want to experiment with a smaller lineup but realistically you're still going to need a capable competent big body out there just because well i just don't know that javel mcgee is going to be able to play all 82 games plus you know any potential playoff games that if the lakers should reach the postseason you're going to need somebody available who can contribute at a higher level. I just don't think that's Kuzma or Beasley. I don't think anybody else on this roster is capable of taking those minutes. Do you see anybody else? Do you think it's a, a, an, as obvious as I do? They have Avika Zubak on the bench, uh, sure. but, you, but the key word that you said was at a high level. Um, they picked Moritz Wagner out of Michigan in right. the draft this year. Rookie. Nah, he's more of a shooter. I don't know how much he can impact the game defensively, and that's kind of the the big question here, right? Yeah. Um, look, I like the idea of playing Kuzmar Beasley at center. I do. Um, I think that they're big-ish enough. I think that if you're really looking to take the next step and maybe gain a, a competitive advantage somewhere, not playing a center at all Makes sense. I mean, if you kind of look at where the NBA is going right now, if you've got Beasley or Kuzma who can stretch the floor and, and handle the ball and you're just sort of playing this, this truly positionless game of basketball where, you know, LeBron could take opposing fives or Kuzma or Beasley or whoever it is that you need, you're, you're switching everything. If you're, if you're going to do that, you might as well just go all in and not play with the center. That said, I think JaVale McGee is a really good fit for this Lakers team. I think he's going to get the easiest baskets of his life, even more so than when he was in Golden State because LeBron is such a good pick-and-roll facilitator, Mm -hmm. and he's going to be able to lob it up for McGee, and I think that's going to be a staple part of their offense. And given that, I just think you got to have a backup option there. you got to have an option when, if push comes to shove, you need to get rebounds and you need to defend the paint. 
maybe you don't have to play this guy that they get um, every night. But I think you at least have to have a, somebody on the roster who's capable of doing those things. Especially, and that was a really good point, McGee's not going to be available all 82 games. It's just not been his MO for his career. If he gets hurt, you got to have another option there. Because I don't think you could start games going small. So those games where JaVale McGee is injured, if he does get injured, uh, you got to have another option there. I don't think Zubak is the right thing. Unless unless he takes a tremendous step forward, maybe, that, maybe the Lakers know that he is ready for that. But they've got so many wings and they've got so many filler players at the end of this roster. I think you can make a move and just go get somebody who can do that. It, just to have it on the bench. Just just to have the option, you know? Yeah, we, we already know this Lakers roster isn't the best assembled one. It's a, basically a place mark for next year. Uh, we'll see what kind of pieces they can add around LeBron next season. But for now, you're kind of stuck with the roster you have. But if you're going to have – if you can't have this much of a glaring deficiency – at the center position, it's just it's just not yeah. feasible in today's league. Even even in today's league, with the, the versatility of the small ball lineups, etc., it's fun to have those things as options, experiments, but not on an eighty-two game basis. You're you're going to need a bigger body. Having said that, is there anybody even available? Is there somebody as a free right. agent that might be able to play some minutes there? You know, a, a, big... a name from our past, Justin Hamilton. Uh, he was playing with that. Uh, <laughs> Was it that I can't remember what Chinese league team that he was playing with, but he was there against. As soon as Justin Hamilton is not the answer to any question. I just. <laughs> look, um, that said, the Lakers are really entertaining to watch, and a lot of it is because of this craziness at center. And I, I again, I like it as your as your default. I just think you got to have somebody on the end of that bench who could be that paint presence when, when and if you need that player. Um, but look, LeBron only played 15 minutes in his first preseason game with the Lakers. I'll tell you why I'm already hyped about how he's going to be used this season next. But first, Locked On NFL is becoming a favorite daily NFL podcast. On Mondays, we have the local experts on the biggest stories of the week. On Tuesdays, former NFL quarterback Sage Rosenfels joins host Matt Williamson, who's going to have some of the best voices in football on throughout the week, making his picks on Fridays. So if you're looking for daily NFL content, subscribe to Locked On NFL on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or whatever you use to listen. LeBron made his debut with the Lakers over the weekend we'll play, and will play the second game of a doubleheader with the Nuggets on TNT tonight. In the first game, LeBron scored 9 points and had 3 assists in 15 minutes, so not a whole lot of time. But still, I thought a lot of interesting things happened that we can look forward to this regular season. Notably, David, the fact that we heard that LeBron doesn't want to play on the ball as much, right? Okay. We heard that uh, not only from Doris Burke, who who we talked to for Locked On Heat, and, and said that she was hearing when LeBron was a free agent before he signed with the Lakers that he didn't want to be on the ball as much. Um, and then when he got signed with the Lakers, obviously Lonzo's there. You bring in a guy like Rajon Rondo. Reports are that he just wants to play off the ball a little bit more. And of course, yeah, he he's said this a couple times with the Cavaliers too. Um, and then push comes to shove, and LeBron has one of the highest usage rates in the league every year. He ends up being your default point guard every year. Um, but in this first game, at least, it did sort of look like he was playing off the ball a little bit more. Set great screens, was was rolling to the rim. Rondo was the, the, the main point guard for most of the game. I like what I'm seeing. 
Well, I'm glad you do because I'm not a big fan, to be honest with you. And I know that I'm, I'm dousing everybody's fires today because there's a lot of excitement about the pace and LeBron and the purple and gold and all this crap. And to be honest with you, I think it's just <laughs> that. I, I am, I'm really sick of it. I think, look, they're, they're on a double header in the preseason, for crying out loud. We're going to be inundated with really bad Lakers basketball over the next six months. This is a team that's more likely to miss the playoffs than they are to win a title. And we're already flooded with every, every over analysis possible. Wait, so you, you you don't think they're going to be good? I don't like, think they are. I don't, I, I'm not You're impressed saying, with their games? young core, to be 100% honest with you. I, I'm mm-hmm. there really. I'm, I think Ingram has the most potential there, and that's fine. Um, is he a, an, an incredible upgrade over Julius Randle, to be honest with you? I, I'm not sure that I see it. Um, I know you're a big fan of Randle, obviously, who probably could not have coexisted alongside LeBron. But I think that's the other thing, too, is that, you know, we're all looking at this one preseason game and trying to mine whatever nuggets of gold, no pun intended, out of what we saw there. But, you know, uh, uh, Luke Walton, you know, I asked him about it last year. That's the kind of pace he's always wanted to play is push the ball up, push the ball up, push the ball up. But LeBron led teams, whether they be in Miami or in Cleveland or, you know, probably in in, in uh, Los Angeles, are not going to push that pace. So we're, we're looking at fool's gold here. This isn't reality. And, and so I think you're going to start to see much more of these weaknesses once the regular season come prop, you know, starts. And I think he's going to take over ball handling like he always does because he tends to be the dominant force on every team. And it works. And, you know, and I think everybody else is going to have to figure out how to play alongside LeBron. But I think the way that he approached last night's game, where he only played a few minutes, he wasn't looking to establish himself. He was making plays early on for others. We've seen that he's capable of flicking that switch easier than anybody else probably in league history. When he wants to get everybody engaged, he does it. When he wants to be aggressive, he does it. And often the times the two don't necessarily marry very well. Last night being the first preseason game on a new team with young guys that need confidence, we saw the facilitating, the playmaking version of LeBron. Once the regular season starts and he's actually playing for wins, we're going to see everybody else take a back seat the way he it often does. And, and LeBron's going to dominate the way he always does. Uh, and I, I just don't know that we can read too much into it. And I know that it's fun and everybody wants to look for it as fun. Quite honestly, I'm a little tired of it. So that's the main thing, right? Is This is the first game of the preseason. He only played 15 minutes. He probably knew he was only going to be playing 15 minutes. Um, so he plays the role that he wants to play. And look, I, I do think that there is a part of him that wants to play off the ball more. Um, I think he recognizes that not only is that going to be better for his career and for you know maintaining a certain level of play throughout the playoffs and the postseason, especially as he continues to get older, but you're right. That's the thing, is we've heard this. Not This is not the first time we've heard LeBron wants to play off the ball more, but when push comes to shove and when they need to win games and when it's just, when it's, you know, game 57 of the regular season, and he just wants to win this game in Utah and leave, right. I he does revert back to old habits, which is, I'm the best player, I'm, I'm perhaps one of the greatest passers in NBA history, if not the greatest facilitator in NBA history, I'm the best when the ball is in my hand, is in my hand. I don't care if there's Kyrie Irving or Rajon Rondo or Dwayne Wade on my team, it doesn't matter, I'm the best when the ball is in my hand, I'm the motor, I'm the engine that runs this offense, and so, yeah, I do think that we've seen over the years that he does revert back to that. That's the big question. And and I think it is a regular season question. I think that during the playoffs, he will be the dominant LeBron that we're used to seeing. Ball in his hands, everybody else playing off of him. Uh, it's a, This is more of a regular season issue. That said, I think that there could still be a better mix than what he was last year for Cleveland. And I think there was even two years before when he was doing that for Ky- with, with Kyrie Irving. But we weren't seeing a whole lot of... 
in his second stint with the Cavaliers. Not a whole lot of post-ups, not a whole lot of screen and rolling when he was the screener, uh, rolling to the rim. There's a little bit there with Kyrie, especially in the playoffs. Um, but I think that there's other things that he could do off the ball that we saw more in Miami than we did in his last stint in Cleveland. I think that we're going to see a little bit more of that with the Lakers. I think Luke Walton, that's the offense that he wants to coach. I think that's where LeBron understands that he could best be utilized with this team. And at the end of the day, he does want to win. So I think we're going to see a little bit more of a mix of posting up LeBron, getting him off the ball, setting great screens, because LeBron could be the best screener in the NBA. I mean, he could be, just based on his gravity and what he could do to help his teammates that way. So... I think we'll see a little bit more of a mix of that, but then again, what, when when does he revert back to those old habits? Because it's not a matter of if, right? Yeah, I don't so. know. I, listen, I, I might die in this island, and I'm sure Lakers fans over at uh, Locked on Lakers would probably kill me for it, but I'm, I'm not as confident about it, to be honest with you. I just think LeBron's at this point in his career where he doesn't really need to prove anything else as far as wins and losses. I can't see him actually winning a title at any point, barring any kind of major free agent acquisition over the next three years of his contract. Um, obviously, they're not going to win a title this year. I think that goes without saying. So, do you think I, they're going to make the playoffs? Because you kind of hinted that you don't think that they're going to make the playoffs. I, I, I could make an argument. Look, if you had asked me two weeks ago before the Butler mess played out in Minnesota, I, I could have made a pretty strong case that Los Angeles would be on their way out. I think you look at that Denver team and, and you know the fact that they missed out on the playoffs last year. They, they, they were just as good as any team. They could have probably made it, and they should make it this year uh, if Paul Millsap stays healthy. So there are other teams that would – potentially be better than a LeBron-led Lakers team. I, I just need to I just see have, more improvement from everybody else around him. I have a hard time seeing a LeBron team not winning yes. 50 games. Yeah, no, it's just I, the I weirdest hear you. thing. I hear you. I hear you. I look, I, I mean, I, I worry about his, his ability to coexist with Walton. I worry about uh, the young players taking that leap up. I mean, throughout his career, look, let's think about it. There's only been one player that I think has been able to rise to the occasion as far as playing alongside him, and that might be the most irrationally confident player in the NBA, and that's Kyrie Irving. This is a guy who was probably bred for basketball and, and is supremely confident in his ability. But other than that, we've seen him... Has he had another... Has he had another option as far as young players go? Yeah, but that's the whole thing, though. I mean, well, we could say that throughout the first seven years of his career in, in Cleveland, he didn't really, he had nothing but young players and or veterans that were past their prime as far as playing alongside him. Yeah, but nobody with the talent of a Kyrie Irving Fair in enough. the first seven years. Fair enough, but I think he just, he requires, he needs guys that are more mature, more capable, and more able to accept the, the gravitas of, of the moment, and every moment is bigger and larger than life when it's led by LeBron James. And I think it's important to keep that in mind. You're asking 21 year old Brandon Ingram to play bigger than he ever has, figuring out the game next to the biggest player of all time. This reminds me more of Kwame Brown playing alongside Michael Jordan for the Washington Wizards than it does, you know, oh, Dwayne Wade and LeBron James. You're at a whole level of negativity with the Lakers that I damn can't right, get to. damn right. <laughs> <laughs> Bring it. Let's take a look at some of the primetime preseason games happening tonight next. But first, Locked on NBA is here for you every day, not just Tuesdays with us. Every Monday, get the local experts on the biggest stories and then stay with Locked on NBA all week long with daily 30-minute episodes on everything going on in the league. Follow for free on your favorite podcast app or tell your smart speaker to play podcast Locked on NBA. We've got a few nationally televised preseason games tonight on TNT. If that doesn't show you that the NBA has reached new levels, I don't know what does. First with the LeBron-less Cavaliers visiting the Celtics. Then the late game between LeBron's Lakers and the Nuggets, that doubleheader that we alluded to earlier. What are you going to be watching for, David, in that first game between the Cavs 
and the Celtics. The Cavaliers, by the way, whose own Tristan Thompson says, somebody's got to knock us off before we give up the crown, which is insane. It's a little irrational there. I think it's not understanding the moment. And look, yeah, I mean, that's NBA players for you. They've got to say something. No, it's not. That's Tristan Thompson. I don't. I've never heard hey, another NBA hey, player talk six. with that audacity. Bucks LeBron's and six. left two other teams already. No, nobody on the Heat. Nobody on the Cavaliers. The first time said, "Hey, man, we're the best team in the East until until somebody proves us otherwise." No, we've already like LeBron's gone, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, it's a little irrational, but then again, he married a Kardashian. What can you expect? Sure. Um, you know, I, I want to see them a bit. You know, them able to to form a new identity because you know you and I saw up close what it was like for Miami to form an identity after LeBron James departed in 2014. I think that was obviously a lot easier with Dwayne Wade still there who'd been with the team for so many seasons. Chris Bosh had played there for four years and basically the same core uh, of roster members intact there. I I think it didn't change much from the previous season. They had added Mm -hmm. Danny Granger and uh, McRoberts, but at the same time, they just brought in Luol Deng to replace what, what LeBron James could do for Miami. You know, obviously it didn't work out to the same level, but you know, as far as Cleveland is concerned, look, it's the Kevin Love era and and rightfully so he's, he's the highly paid player there. That's going to be the focal point of this team moving forward. You've got your rookie there, Colin Sexton, and, and it's, going to be curious to see whether or not the guys that they acquired from the Lakers last year, Larry Nance, Jordan Clarkson, etc., Rodney Hood, uh, you know, if he's going to be able to take a leap this year, it's going to be interesting. And and I think that's the thing. It's like, you know, you're, you're not expecting much out of this Cavaliers team, but there's an opportunity for them there to kind of carve out a new identity. And tonight is where we'll see, start to see the beginnings of that identity. Yeah, for basketball junkies, that's the fun part, right? What do the X's and O's look like for the Cavs now? Because before, LeBron was the X, and everybody else was just standing around him, and he was <laughs> doing right. all of the work. And and it's going to be interesting to see what happens, not only with Colin Sexton. I, I, I enjoy watching rookies and, see, and seeing them at the NBA level. Um, but what does a guy like Kevin Love do, right? And he's enjoyed his summer, and he's back, and... And looks to be taking on a bigger role in this offense, which makes sense. He is an all-star player. He's their best player by right now, and that's by far. Um, I do wonder what this team looks like post-LeBron. And not just without having him on the court, but not having that, that circus, that cloud hover over them. There is There does seem to be a little bit of a sense of relief there. I wonder what that team looks like. As far as the Celtics go, they've been electric this preseason. They look damn good. And I'm going to enjoy watching the Celtics team all season long. Not only does Kyrie, is Kyrie Irving back and looking as good as ever, and he's got a great afro, um, and he's doing the headband thing, which I'm all for, that retro look. All in on that. Uh, Jason Tatum looks awesome. Gordon Hayward's back there. Um, Al Horford is doing a lot of great stuff at the five there. And in his preseason Taylor games... Brown looks he's, really sharp, actually. He does. He does. I mean, it, there's this is a, a five-person lineup. Everybody can handle the ball a little bit. We're even seeing Horford... He's, a, he's great at pick and rolls, but he also does some of that triple threat stuff, facilitating with dribble handoffs, even running some screen and roll like halfway a little bit here and there. Everybody on the on in the starting unit can can <coughs> do stuff with the ball in their hands. They're a lot of fun to watch. Um, as far as that second game goes between the Lakers and Nuggets, we already talked about the Lakers. Always fun to see what they're doing at backup center. Always fun to watch LeBron and how he coexists with his with his teammates. We already talked about that. But as far as the Nuggets go, look, the Nuggets won that first preseason game, and it was pretty easily. And wins and losses don't matter that much in preseason. There's not that much you could take away from it, especially when LeBron only plays 15 minutes. But 
I think the Nuggets are ready for a leap. Not only are they getting Paul Millsap back and healthy, um, I think Jamal Murray is going to have a really, really good year. I think he he was he had a nice game, 18 points, two rebounds, and an assist and a steal in 19 minutes uh, in their win over the Lakers. He looked comfortable. The game looked slower for him. I think Jamal Murray is ready for a leap this season. I'm excited to see what Denver does. You know, I'm I'm kind of holding off on that, but I'm I'm looking forward to seeing him play again today because uh, he's had an up and down career where he's had like yes. streaks of very good games and then you know kind of tapered off a bit. So I'm looking for more consistency out of him. I, he has incredible confidence in his game. We know that already. Um, but at the same time, I'm looking for him to be a little bit more consistent, and that's fine. A, a Jamal Murray led team, I think can be really good, as, as, I mean, certainly potent offensively. And you still need to see more contributions from guys like Millsap, who I think is still trying to figure out his way on this team. Like, even mm-hmm. as, you know, he's never been a supremely dominant player, so much more of a, a glorified role player. But at the same time, I, I think he needs to kind of just understand his role here. And I know he's getting older. Maybe it's not as easy for him as it once was in Atlanta. But I, I'm looking forward to seeing Millsap healthy and, and kind of you know, anchoring the defense over in Denver, which has been, you know, a weak point for them and over the last few seasons. Um, you know, I, I like... Somebody to, needs to anchor that defense. Yeah. That's a good point. I mean... Uh, yeah, no, there, there's not much there, and I think you're always going to have problems when, when Nikola Jokic is your starting center. He's not known for his defensive acumen, that's for sure. I, I liked what mm-hmm. I saw also out of Juancho Hernangones. He, he was really spacing the floor, looked really confident, letting it fly against the Lakers. It looked really, really sharp. I didn't think he had that kind of confidence and or range, and he, he showed both of them against the Lakers. So maybe that says more about the Lakers' bad defense. But anyway, I, I think hopefully we can start to see him kind of establish himself as a nice role player off the bench. So that's I'm curious to see whether that continues in Game 2. Yeah, it sounds like you like the Nuggets' young players more than the Lakers' young players. Damn right. <laughs> All right, well, we'll see what happens tonight. Some good games again on TNT. You can find them. There tonight, uh, Cavs, Celtics first, and then Lakers, Nuggets. That's all we have for today. You can subscribe to Locked On NBA on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. We'll be back here next Tuesday. You can find us on Locked On Heat in the meantime. Thank you for listening, and thanks for joining me, David. You got it, Wes.